Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hi, everyone. I am your host, Humpty Calderon. Today, we are speaking to Brantley Milligan with ENS, a distributed, open, and extensible naming system based on the Ethereum blockchain. We will be discussing human-readable and decentralized naming for wallets and websites. So without further ado, let's get started. The purpose of today's discussion is to, first of all, get to know you, get to get to learn a little bit about you, and uh, get to learn what ENS is, because I think that it's, you know, I've explored it. Uh, I wouldn't say that I know it completely, but I've explored it to the point where I have an ENS and I've done the uh, reverse resolution, I believe that's called. Um, but, you know, I think that... Mm-hmm. Reverse record. Yeah. So I think that, but there's a lot to learn here. And so I think that today will be a really good conversation pe- for people to learn what ENS is. So let's just get started on an introduction about you uh, and let us know, you know, who you are, what your role is at ENS and how you got started. Yeah. Okay. So I live uh, near Greenville, in South Carolina, in the United States, on the East Coast. And uh, I'm married. Uh, we have six kids. Uh, our oldest is 11 years old, down to a baby who's, I don't know, eight or nine months old or something. I've been in crypto a long time. I joined... Okay, so so ENS started... I guess I'll, I'll explain when I came on by giving a little bit of history of ENS. ENS started as a side project of Nick Johnson at the Ethereum Foundation in 2016. So, like, more than five years ago at this point. Uh, He was on the Geth team. Uh, I think originally he was actually on the Swarm team, but then quickly left that and went to the Geth team. And then ENS launched, attempted to launch in March 2017, uh, but there was, like, a problem or something, so they aborted that attempt, and then they... Uh, launched for real in May 2017. And it was sort of like an experiment at that point. Uh, it was very successful. And then uh, by 2018, the Ethereum Foundation said, hey, Nick, why don't you just focus on ENS? So he left uh, in that summer in, in 2018, left the EF with, uh, with a big grant and with this mandate to kind of build the team. And I joined soon after that in January 2019. And I am now director of operations, which just means I um, kind of help Nick uh, run things. I help with strategy and with integrations and uh, communications and just like a lot of the administrative work of the team. Uh, Nick's still in charge, but he's you know like our lead developer and he wants to focus on developing. Uh, but it's great. Uh, we have a great team of people and ENS, uh, it's a great project to be a part of. Wow. That's actually good. I didn't know the history uh, going that far back to it being, uh, you know, I guess, kickstarted by the Ethereum Foundation. Um, so when you jumped on, how far along was the project? 
Well, so uh, a lot of the core parts of VNS obviously were there in January 2019. I mean, I mean, it had been when it launched in May 2017. It had the core parts. So, like, um, but it was fairly minimal. So you could you could only get .eth names. You could not you could not import in DNS names. I think you could only have them point at an Ethereum address. I think that's it. Like you couldn't do anything else. Um, and uh, early on, there were you know a handful of wallets that supported it. Uh, but then ENS has grown and developed immensely since then. So especially like in the last one and a half to two years, um, we've added multi-coin support. So now uh, you can have it. You can receive payments with any cryptocurrency. You know if you put your address and records. Uh, we have this great content record that supports Swarm hashes, IPFS hashes, Skynet hashes, and Twitter addresses. We have text records, which can, can have like profile information, really any arbitrary information at all. Uh, we have uh, parts of the DNS namespace integrated, so .xyz, .lux, .art, .cred, and a couple others. And that is soon going to be all of the, you know, basically the entire DNS namespace. Like that's actually our Mopston right now. ENS is a naming system. Now, what is a naming system? In some ways, the naming system is really simple. Um, you have names, you have people that own or control those names, and you have information attached to those names. ENS can support any, ultimately any generic, any kind of name, and it can support, um, you know, that we decide to support, and it can support any arbitrary information. But practically speaking, ENS does three things. Uh, or I say the three primary use cases that we kind of are kind of trying to do with ENS, at least right now. The first is a, a portable web username. So basically you can, uh, this was the reverse record thing that, that Humpty mentioned. Um, even if you have multiple ENS names, you can pick one of them to be your reverse record, sort of like your Ethereum username. And when you log into a wide range of dApps, they will, instead of showing like an abbreviated, abbreviated form of your 0x address, will actually show your ENS name. And that works across dApps. So it's your portable web free username. That is super powerful. The, the second use case is crypto payments. So you have your name, you have one name, and you can put um, tons of different cryptocurrency addresses in there. Obviously, an Ethereum address, like a Bitcoin address, a Dogecoin address, a, a Nero address, an EOS address, you know, a Rootstock address, whatever you want. And then you can receive um, payments or really have any crypto asset um, sent to you at those addresses. So that's not just tokens, it could be NFTs, etc. And then the third uh, primary use case is decentralized websites. So I mentioned earlier our content record. So uh, we support a bunch of different things, although the primary thing that's used there is IPFS uh, websites. And that is actually support, has native support in browsers like Brave, Opera. Um, it's in the MetaMask extension. So if you have that, those work in your browser. Um, and uh, we also have the dot link service as a convenience service. So uh, those are the three main things that you can kind of practically do with ENS today. Looking at and uh, in terms of the accessibility of address schemes today, they're very complicated, right? Um, they aren't something that are familiar to us. You know, that's not necessarily how we uh, deal with account numbers uh, today. I think a lot of the formatting for account numbers down from a phone number to a social security number, they're all formatted in a way that hopefully has some sort of memorizable elements. But, you know, a cryptocurrency address is not that. So for me, at least, very, very simply, 
Um, and of course, not looking at the com- the complete package of what ENS uh, enables is a memor- memorizable, uh, I guess, more recognizable naming schema for addresses, right? So for example, instead of using your 0x address, which is long and uh, easily forgettable, uh, Brantley.eth, super simple. You can remember that. And you can associate that with correct. multiple accounts, correct? With multi, uh, not multiple Ethereum accounts, but multiple cryptocurrency addresses. Right, yes. right. And I think that goes back to one of the things you were talking about. In fact, one of the things that, that I guess that was, that was I was uh, leading into in terms of where was the product before you joined and how far has it come since you've joined? Uh, so I just doing a quick scan on the ENS website. I think uh, provides a good glimpse of the ecosystem and in terms of the different integrations that are available for ENS. So you were talking about uh, how in the beginning there was, uh, I guess, some limitations in terms of the different or the type of addresses that you can use. So it was only supporting Ethereum addresses and now it's supporting multiple cryptocurrency or, or blockchains, I should say, so you can have different cryptocurrency addresses. You were also talking about being import, being able to import DNS addresses. Um, maybe, maybe can you talk a little bit about that part of the ecosystem first in terms of, you know, supporting different blockchains, what that means? Because at least for me, when I first started looking at ENS, my assumption, and because of the name ENS, I assumed it was Ethereum only. Yeah. So, um, the name Ethereum name service, we've thought about changing it sometimes, you know, um, it, it's, we're not changing it right now, but maybe it's possible in the future. So it runs on the Ethereum blockchain. And in fact, when it started, it was really only serving the Ethereum ecosystem. You have to remember though, when this launched in early 2017, there wasn't really much else going on. I mean, there was Bitcoin, um, but Ethereum was, was much smaller in the, we weren't in this like extremely multi-chain world. And it wasn't clear that that's necessarily even where we were going. Um, so in some ways, it's, ENS was just sort of focused on the Ethereum ecosystem early on. Um, but there's nothing about it that prevents it from, from serving all this inf- other information because it can store any arbitrary information. So now it's, you know, it's about two years now it's been fully multi-chain. Um, now in terms of the DNS namespace, yeah. So this is a critical thing also about ENS. So, ENS, some people think ENS equals .eth names, and that is false. ENS has .eth names, but ENS proper is just name, it's just a naming system. And that, those, that infrastructure, those pipes, right, those smart contracts can, could support any names. There's not, there's nothing inherent about .eth names that, that it can only do that. It can support any names. Now, um, dot, it has .eth names, and those are native to ENS, um, and it launched for that. But um, we want to, of course, expand the namespace that you can use on the ENS rails, right? And what we've decided to do is to allow people to import in DNS names that they already have. So if you already own a DNS name, let's say uh, Brantley.xyz, I, you can also import that into ENS. Now you have to own it on DNS first, 
and then you can have it on, on ENS. And it's not really .eth. That's that's a separate name, just like we have .com and .org and .io. You know, if you import it in, it's still the same uh, suffix. And we have this. This is, works right now with .xyz names, uh, .lux, .cred, .art. And we're about ready to roll it out soon so that just about any DNS name will be able to be imported into ENS. Yeah, so I think that's that's probably one of the more valuable and probably um, not as widely uh, recognized parts of what ENS is. I think may, maybe because of the popularity of .eth, there seems to be a belief that that is really where it starts and where it ends. So it's, I think, really great to see that there is an, I guess, a much more wide-ranging uh, application of it or implementation of it. Um, and you know, maybe for those of us more familiar with DNS structures and how that works and the purpose of DNS, really, right? Uh, and how, um, how, how um, dexterous or how flexible it is, uh, maybe that can give us a better understanding of where ENS is going. Um, and I did see that on one of your tweets, you talked about how Brantley.xyz, which is a domain uh, extension, is really kind of be uh, is utilizing ENS for that name resolution, right? Yeah, so Brantley.xyz, uh, I own, and it exists on both systems. So, like, I have my personal, if you if you just, like, type into a browser, the Brantley.xyz, it's a normal DNS name. I have a website, some some low-quality WordPress personal website I have there. <laughs> and uh, But I also have it on ENS. So, like, if you're in Coinbase Wallet and you want to send me Dogecoin, you can send me Dogecoin to Brantley.xyz. And it's using ENS to do so. That's interesting. Actually, so I won't get too far into it in this conversation, but I'd love to chat with you or maybe just towards the end of the conversation. That reminds me, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with decentralized identity, but that reminds me a little bit about what Serto is doing with uh, NFTs and DID and being able to kind of reference the metadata of a website in order to uh, use that as some sort of uh, identity verification, you know, your website. Um, you're kind of doing something similar, but it's really like crypto payments and your website. So the integration is a little bit different, but it all, I think, goes back to referencing your real-world identity and your uh, on-chain identity, which I, th I think that's super interesting. Yeah, and remember, so you know, uh, ENS is not just for crypto payments. That that is a primary use case, but there's, you know, obviously, decentralized websites, and then also this portable web for username thing is a widely used in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. In fact, my expectation is that that is probably going to be the most important ENS use case long term. One hundred percent. Personally, I am pretty heavily uh, involved in the identity space, decentralized identity space, to be to be specific. And I've seen the uh, the growth or maybe just more attention being given to the space uh, from different players, uh, not just on Ethereum, but across the you know entire blockchain space. And I 100% believe that ENS uh, will have a strong role to play in that because, again, I think that there's something to be said in terms of that um, ease of uh, recognizing an address and also being able to uh, take that address uh, to various applications uh, like like it does today. So maybe talk a little bit about the ecosystem that ENS has developed, both in terms of wallets and apps and browsers and how that works a little bit. Yeah, so uh, this is a really big 
a strong, strong point for ENS. ENS uh, is in at least, you know, around 258 different services right now. And uh, that's huge. That Just to give you a quick breakdown on that, I think that's like around 47 wallets, you know, 48 wallets, almost 200 dApps of various kinds, you know, several browsers, like I mentioned, Brave, Opera, um, some mobile browsers like you know, Status, MetaMask Mobile, uh, also Puma is another browser. If you have a MetaMask extension in your browser, you know, you can access decentralized websites. I mean, Cloudflare runs a, a gateway service, you know, that eth.link service, where if you have a .eth name um, and you want to access a decentralized website at it, you just add .link in any browser and it will resolve like a normal website. Now, there's still tons of tons of room for, for growth for ENS, but I think this is significant because there have been many other blockchain-based naming-like attempts. And in fact, blockchain-based naming was the first like non-currency use case that people attempted back in the day. So of course, Bitcoin launched in you know January 2009, but then I think like 2010, 2011, uh, people said, "Hey, why don't we use this for a decentralized naming system?" And it originally it was called BitDNS, and Satoshi talked about it, and how Finian people talked about this on Twitter recently. You know that even Satoshi supported the creation of another blockchain other than Bitcoin for a specific use case. This is sometimes used as an argument against the absurdity of, of Bitcoin maximalism that Satoshi himself uh, supported a so-called altcoin. Um, that project BitDNS ended up launching as Namecoin, uh, which is still technically around, uh, although it's a dead project at this point, has virtually no trading volume and no abuses it for anything. But Namecoin is still important in the history of blockchain technology and specifically blockchain-based naming because it was the first attempt at this. And, uh, but it, it just, it just never got adoption. It had problems in its, uh, mechanics around, uh, how you get names, name squatting and pricing. It, it just, it's never, never got any traction. Then, uh, th- there were other attempts to things, some which kind of tried to use Namecoin or build off of it. One was called OneCoin. Um, this was like an early thing that the Stacks people were doing, uh, which was formerly called Blockstack, and they were doing this thing before that called OneCoin. And I'm sorry, One Name. I'm sorry. Again, One Name didn't go anywhere. Uh, there for years there were different attempts to try to do naming for Bitcoin addresses. Nothing caught on. Um, and then Ethereum, of course, launched in 2005. I'm sorry, 2015. That was like a watershed moment in the history of blockchain technology because um, it made it really easy to launch new dApps and to experiment and to iterate quickly. Uh, prior to that, if you wanted a new dApp, you had to launch a blockchain just specific for that dApp. I mean, it seems ridiculous now, but that was sort of like the model, like Namecoin, right? The ENS, though, you can have this uh, iteration. And ENS, you know, uh, launched in early 2017, as I said. And it's really taken off. Um, there have been there are lots of other, you know, Naming projects out there that have been attempted as like the Rootstock naming service, through Nate Proxy name service, and Theo, and Star Names, and Cosmos, and I mean, there's, there's a long, you know, EOS naming service, and blah, blah, blah. A long tail of, of projects that just never went anywhere. But ENS is the first blockchain based naming system that has gotten like escape velocity. It has significant use and um, integration adoption. 
So I think you're kind of tapping into what was going to be my next question is, why do you think ENS has been able to succeed where others maybe not necessarily failed, but didn't get the traction that ENS has? Well, I would say they failed. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't mean it's a bad thing. I just, you know, this is true in any space. You have a lot of attempts at, at something and, you know, maybe most fail. Uh, but ENS is the first one that actually has significant adoption and by a wide margin. So like ENS has more integrations than all other blockchain-based naming projects combined like times three. And it has like almost five times as many integrations as like the thing in second place or something. I mean, it's like, it, it's way bigger. It, it's not, it's, they're not, they're not like exactly peers, right? It's, you know, there's like ENS and then there's like a long tail of like other attempts. So why has it gotten uh, attraction? One, um, I think one is the power of Ethereum. So uh, we didn't have to bootstrap our own blockchain. So I think that was a failure of name point. I think it's also been a, a big problem with you know, other things like Handshake and Fio, you know, other attempts. Uh, they have their own you know, tokens that are siloed off from the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, and they're just they're missing out on all the network effects of the Ethereum ecosystem. NS doesn't have to create new wallets um, or services, or you know, we can just plug into the infrastructure that already exists for Ethereum, which is of course going to be way better than anything else we could create. You know, we don't have a, a special token that you have to use to buy names. You just use Ether. Ether is obviously already widely available, widely used, super high liquidity. Um, that's super valuable. We can make use of uh, Ethereum ecosystem standards. So like all .eth names are ERC721 NFTs. And uh, we can only do that because we're on Ethereum. I think we've also taken a, a the right approach, which is that the naming system really should not be private or proprietary. We really view it as a public good, you know, for the community. So ENS, of course, is open source. We don't run, we're not gatekeepers. The, the team is not gatekeepers in any way. You can interact with the, the protocol directly. The, the team that is sort of maintaining it is a nonprofit. We have no investors, you know, nothing like that. And uh, all the Ether, all the funds raised by uh, from registrations, renewals of Dottie's names, there, there is a fee for anti-squatting purposes. Um, it doesn't even go to us. It actually goes to an Ethereum community multisig, in which uh, six of the seven members are not on the ENS team. Uh, and so far, actually, none of that money has been spent because we haven't needed to. Uh, but there's like tens of millions of dollars there now um, that we'll need to be working out with the community of, of how to spend. So I think all those things have just come together. Yeah, UNES has been able to be successful so far. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think, you know, having been on the Ethereum ecosystem, you know, I mean, not, not as long as others, I'm sure, in this channel, but, you know, for quite some time, I've I've learned that there is the power of community. There is the power of just build building. There's just a ton of different uh, applications that are being that are built um, that can make use of this uh, technology, right? So you brought up something that maybe for me lent itself for a different question. Um, will ENS? Well, first of all, is ENS tokenized? Is there an ENS coin, and will it ever be tokenized if it's not? It's a good question. Well, so you know, ENS has been around a while, and uh, if if you were around in early 2017, it was a different era. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when it launched just a year earlier, there had been the DAO hack, right? Um, 
there were there wasn't well developed you know governance structures at all. Uh, even the ICO boom was was just kind of was starting to take off, but we didn't want to they didn't want to do that because you know we didn't want to just be a greedy um, money grab. And uh, but there are a couple aspects of ENS that require some discretion. So things like well, what do we do with the money that's raised, right? Uh, also, how do we set pricing? We, you know, we could set pricing automatic into the um, protocol, but the problem with that is that we have to hard code it in, like uh, denominate it in ether. But the price of ether is so uh, fluctuates so much that that's not valuable. So we actually price do our prices in USD. We use the Chainlink uh, USD ETH Oracle, and at some point, let's say fifty years from now, we probably want to maybe update the prices or something. You know, right? So that, that requires some discretion. So there's like a couple pieces here that, that do require some discretion. Right now, it's just this four, there's a four of seven multi-sig, uh, again, where six of the members are, are not on the ENS team. And it's really, but we want to decentralize this. So on our website, actually, we, we say this. In the long term, we would like the root multi-sig to be replaced by some form of distributed decision-making process as such systems become available. So... We're very interested, you know, in looking at the DAO space and, and, and tokens and different ways of governing. Um, we're not totally committed to any one thing right now, but you know, we're not like a DAO experiment organization. We're ENS, uh, but we definitely want to take the best practices and use them to give as much control of the protocol to the community as possible. That's fantastic. I mean, I think right now with what we're seeing. Uh, as far as the explosion of DAOs, I think that there's a lot of exploration, a lot of experimentation going on uh, to find a use case or to expand uh, the vision or the mission of an organization, uh, like the Bankless DAO as an example, uh, being a media culture DAO. Um, I, I mean, I think ENS has a product that's proven, uh, and if it decided to do something like that, I could see it fitting uh, well and being able to utilize some of that uh, flexibility and, and power of a DAO again, but if it chose to do that. Um, so you touched on something just a little bit ago that I want to retrace back. You were talking about, uh, ENS names being uh, ERC 721 or basically NFTs. So what is, what does ENS as NFTs mean in terms of trading usernames? Um, and just I, for a bit of a reference, I popped into OpenSea and I checked out uh, the naming uh, market and there were a few others in that space, but obviously ENS was right at the top. So what does it mean to trade ENS as NFTs? Yeah, so um, a little bit of history on this. So when ENS launched and with only .eth names in May 2017, of course, domain names are by definition NFTs and that they're non-fungible, right? By their very nature. Um, but at that time, there was no e there was no NFT standard. In fact, I don't even remember hearing the term NFT used at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, although later that year, people started talking about that, and you know, of course, CryptoPunks launched a month after ENS. So, and then in June 2017, that led to the, the standardization of the ERC 721 standard, and then CryptoKitties later that year. So, so uh, if some some names you actually talk about this. There are some ENS names that are pre-punk OG, you know, ENS NFTs. Uh, it's kind of a funny way of thinking about it. Um, you know, pre-punk. That's a good branding strategy. We're pre-punk. 
Right. I mean, because many people talk about CryptoPunks as like the first NFT. It, it certainly was an important marker in the history of NFTs. Of course, there were lots of things, NFTs for years, even pre- previous to that. Um, and then in May 2019, we had a 2019, so two years after the launch, we had a kind of a big upgrade and we adopted the RC721 standard. And so all Dottie's names are ERC721 NFTs, which means they plug into any NFT infrastructure automatically. You can trade them around, um, you can hold them, uh, do anything that you could do with a normal NFT. We are actually working on a new feature right now that will upgrade the NFT capabilities of ENS names. Um, we're going to upgrade, we're going to start using the uh, ERC-1155 standard just because we think it's better. We are going to make it so that all ENS names uh, follow that standard, not only .eth names, but subdomains and DNS names imported in DNS. Previously, that was not the case. And we're also going to give users more control over some of the NFT aspects. So like the image that shows up for the NFT. Um, right now, it's just some automatically generated thing from OpenSea that you know we don't have much control over. Um, we're we're going to update that to something that's much better, and we're going to give users the ability to customize that image if they want. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah, that's really good. So I know that we have several people in this chat uh, that were talking about something like this specifically, who are probably like really excited to jump on up, up here and ask you questions because I, they were talking about. ENS marketplaces and seeing how uh, maybe this DAO could also help facilitate that um, because as and I and I don't want to misquote but I think they were saying ENS is the best kept secret of Ethereum which you know I I I, I wouldn't disagree I think that ENS brings a lot of uh, value to the blockchain um, and it is definitely not as popular as as it should be. Uh, especially as we're talking about NFTs, I think that there is a lot of value in the collectability, but probably more importantly in the usage of these ENS domain names. If you're talking about there's a rich ecosystem that goes beyond just the name itself, but also looking at the implementation uh, for wallet addresses, uh, for websites. So there's, but before I just say this is fantastic, we've had a great chat and close it out. I, there's something on your website that really struck a chord with me, and I was wondering if you wouldn't mind kind of talking a little bit about that. And it's really discussing the aspect of censorship-resistant decentralized websites. What is that, and why is that important to e- just in general, and why is that important to ENS? Yeah, well... Um... So that's referencing the fact that, right, you can put a website on IPFS, which is a distributed file uh, file network, and then you can get a, an IPFS hash, right? And then you can put that in your ENS records since you can have your name pointed at that. And uh, yeah, this is a great use case. Um, by the way, censorship resistant doesn't mean there is no way for this ever to go away or something like that. Uh, some people oversell um, the censorship resistance of these systems just in general. If any of you guys remember, prior to the DAO hack in 2016, it was very common in the Ethereum community to use terms like immutable, uncensorable, unstoppable, things like this. And then the DAO thing happened. Um, now people don't use those terms, or I'd say people who are responsible use terms like uh, trust minimizing, 
censorship resistant. Uh, by the way, IPFS is not uh, uncensorable or immutable or anything like that. Uh, somebody in IPFS node has to host you know, the files and they don't have to host any given files. So if you're not running your own IPFS node, uh, the people who are can decide not to host your files. But it, it's, it's much harder for an outside actor to censor a, 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 an IPFS plus ENS website. So the IPFS part, you know, is censorship resistant. The ENS part, um, the only way that your name can be censored is if they get, uh, get a hold of your private key. We have no censorship abilities whatsoever. Our root doesn't. Um, so that is very censorship resistant. But of course, there's always like, you know, gun to the head diplomacy, right? They, if they just come to you, they could get you to censor your website. So it just means that it's much harder to take down and that's useful. Uh, you know, maybe so a company can't censor you or a government or something. So I think that is, that's a useful use case. That's it. I hope you learned a lot about ENS. I know I did. If you would like to learn more about them, please go to ens.domains or on Twitter at ensdomains. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcast. And stay tuned for our next discussion.